We're back. Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. I am your co-host, Mike One, co-host also Mike. In a moment, another Oscar race checkpoint for you all as we go around the Hollywoods. We have some trailers to review. We have some film festival news to catch up on, and we have a big film festival laying out a, a couple announcements that we're going to cover here, Michael. Yeah, it's all about Clifford the Big Red Dog for me, Mike. <laughs> as it um, should be. <laughs> I, they got themselves a gala can can you believe it i mean look it's not something entirely new for these uh big budget blockbuster type films these non-oscary art <laughs> films to get film festival real estate but it is kind of funny especially after our prelude to clifford the mm. big red dog in, in recent episodes that that it does get a tiff gala and a beautiful announcement like uh yesterday gave us. i hope that means as as like an interior decorator has to set up and like get every red streamer and just like do a red fur carpet for people to walk in like how far does the gala portion of this gala go is my question when it comes to clifford if there are not life-size versions of clifford there i mean they're (laughs) missing opportunities that's all i'm saying like everybody would take a picture Mm -hmm. uh everybody yeah what are they thinking they they, that has to be the whole thing like you only have a gal everybody in a in a beautiful dress or tuxedo would take a picture next to the life-size life-size Clifford there's the Jack Whitehall star making vehicle that is Clifford the big red dog I did reach out to Amanda by the way when I heard that we are talking about the Toronto International Film Festival where Clifford the big red dog is one of the films that will get a gala and we'll have more to come on that as we go here but uh, she she was very excited to hear the news (laughs) and is very offended at the same time as always excited and offended that's uh Half the reaction I usually get from women, yes. <laughs> At least we're consistent here. And we will be talking about TIFF and other announcements that they made uh, as far as what's debuting there, what's what's to come, and what we'll be playing at TIFF uh, as far as at least the headlining acts go. Uh, to start, though, Mike, we have some Oscar trailers that we can get into and review. Yeah, we thought we were going to like review movies or do top fives this week, but the trailers dropped all the the TIFF announcements dropped yeah. thirty two films. So yeah, we we gotta dive into these, and we need another Oscar race checkpoint here to do it. So yeah, Vivo. This morning we had uh, a, a quick little teaser, and then we had like a three minute song clip for "Keep the Beat" from uh, Lin Manuel Miranda. Of course, Vivo is Netflix, Sony Animation, Zoe Saldana, Brian Tyree Henry, Gloria Estefan, Michael Rooker, Nicole Byer. What a cast! What did you think of these first looks of Vivo? I'm offended they called it a clip of a song it's because it's, it was three and a half minutes that, and it showed the song in the movie. <laughs> like that was that was the song. Yeah, the crocodiles worried me. I think the crocodiles, <laughs> yeah. I, but th- we know what we're getting, right? The, the crocodiles don't eat the monkey. They let them sing. <laughs> Can anybody hear the, the monkey speaking? Is this a Stewie situation? Like is Lin-Manuel Miranda only breaking the fourth wall mm. in this film? Like, these questions probably should not well, be Well, he was singing in movie. chorus in harmony with the girl, right, throughout the song. So at least okay. she can, unless they just have the greatest coincidental timing of all time, she could at least hear him, we could assume. But mm-hmm. maybe she's the, the Brian to the monkey. St- I'm going to go one step even further before that. We're positive that's a monkey that Lin-Manuel's playing? No, I'm not at all. I don't know what that is. <laughs> Okay, good. It's he's adorable. Yes, he is. He great, is. He, he's got a great uh, voice on him. He, he's he's a musical wunderkind. <laughs> uh, and Lin Manuel is going to get that Oscar nom, come hell or high water. Whether it's animated feature, whether it's original song, uh, we've said this a couple times, but he's having a kind of a big year. Maybe an Adam Driver, Florence Pugh esque type of year shaping up for him. Well, it's an inspirational, catchy song, and and I love how the two bonded on the. Uh, the, the open water there in the, the rainforest. And <laughs> then the song ends and nothing changes. He's like, I don't like you anymore. Or whatever it says. <laughs> it's like, what That's the hell's true. going on? That's I thought a good they, point. <laughs> they, had, they made all this headway during the song where they're playing drums together with the sticks and the crocodiles became their friends and it was great. It's and like then, when the Lion King sang Hakuna Matata and then immediately started worrying about his dead father. Exactly. It's a bit of a... <laughs> 
her, or Herman Mankiewicz walking out of the uh, mm-hmm. San Simeon and William Randolph Hearst was like, did I tell you this tale of the organ grinder's monkey? And then <laughs> nobody understood it and we all had to look it up and read th- shit about it. Yeah, I agree. Same thing. <laughs> All right, hot start, but that will be <laughs> will be uh that's that's Vivo. It's gonna contend. Animated feature at least is we have a couple interesting selections already that we think can go up against the big uh, what I think anyway is the big looming presence of Disney's uh, animated feature to come. So if you gave an Oscar to the marketing right now, would it go to Vivo or would it go to Encanto? Best animated it's a really uh, good marketing question. Oscar. That's a really really good question. I'm not sure. I have. I, I can I split it? Can I do a Streisand to both winners? No. Oh. I, look, I botched my Mank callback, and mm-hmm. now you have to answer my improvisational question. Uh, I'll I'll submit to recency bias and say Vivo right now. Vivo had better marketing, so that's cool. Well, it was a fun song. I mean, they went yeah. all out with the song, right? And, exactly. And Canto gave us more than maybe we'd be into it more. But that this is. This is shaping up to at least be a, uh, a major two-horse race in animated feature, like we said. And we're going to talk about more art films that are going to show up at TIFF, mm-hmm. for that matter. But, yeah, I, th- I just think, uh, to, to try and save myself here, uh, Netflix <laughs> might be advertising their next year of uh, films in their previous year of uh, movie scripts with Mank. <laughs> do, do, do you know? So no. it's like a Pixar world-building thing where they live little, leave little Easter eggs to their upcoming movies in the movie you're currently watching except it's a it's a mank lin-manuel miranda cinematic universe it's a mank manuel miranda cinematic universe right now or could be i mean when they made tony stark they didn't know it was going to be a cu necessarily Mm. Mm -hmm. so now we have mank and vivo we have that uh buddy comedy coming uh, up in future years of netflix but yeah i mean the whole organ grinders monkey thing a year before we, we we literally get you know Lin-Manuel Miranda as Vivo singing in a, a square in a gorgeous little teaser there. I will say, though, I I mean, Over the Moon looked great, too, mm. and looked like it could be a contender and looked like Netflix was going to, like, burst through in the animated feature category, and that wasn't fully to be. It did okay for itself, and but it, it you know wasn't embraced as this kind of Pixar threat that it, we first thought it could have the potential to be. So we've I feel like we've been here before. That's very true. Uh, so Netflix... You're awesome at this, and therefore we curse you for it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Mike, the last duel. This is Ridley Scott, Matt Damon, Adam Driver, Jody Comer, and Ben Affleck. This is a movie we have also been worried about. What would you think of the first trailer? Affleck looks ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Eric Anderson had a really funny tweet that I retweeted. I, I was he, really tickled pink. I mean... He yeah. looks more like he's getting ready for his next part in the next Kevin Smith movie than he does the King of France in this one, trying to decide the final duel to the death. Yeah, if the Kevin Smith movie was uh, a live action He Man instead of a you know animated <laughs> right. Masters of the right. Universe that he's doing. Right. Yeah. I I don't know. I, I like I'm excited for Jodie Comer, but I. I do not like the look of this. I don't know why this story hmm. needs to be told by Ridley Scott and Damon and Affleck. Really? I, the graphics in between the shots, the action shots, look like they were straight out of iMovie. I mean, I, 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 bleh. I was very bleh on this whole trailer. Wow. I'm, I am shocked. I, I, I walked away with the opposite feeling entirely because Good. my expectations were so low. Yeah. Uh, and now I'm probably going to click buy uh, with my Audible credit on The Last Duel, the, the audio book there, because I mean, number one, our Jodie Comer Oscar pick is looking damn good because yeah. she was fabulous in that trailer. I mean, she's got Agreed. the range. She's got everything. She's got she the She may enemies. be the lead, too. She may not be supporting. That's true. Uh, I hope she is. Because, yeah, same. please, I mean, the story should be told from her POV. Exactly. Uh, the way they, they, at least they framed it in the trailer. I, I will say I'm glad our boys from Southie didn't lean too heavily into the accents. Affleck has, I'm, I'm sure it's Affleck. It's one line of dialogue, but he does. you don't see him saying it. It's like a voiceover. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No. <laughs> no. He's not Jesse Plemons in the uh, Jungle Cruise trailer, though. Crikey! Right, right, right. <laughs> it's not that bad. Uh, we thought he was just going to be a man. We thought he was going to be Ricky Bobby. 
Talladega Nights, you know, uh, a a joke of himself in in a movie that this serious with this subject matter. So that's the thing. I thought they handled the subject matter better than I I feared for at least I'll say that for the moment. I, I agree that the 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 man filmmakers behind this movie is worrisome the the male filmmakers yeah. behind the movie and they shouldn't be telling this story it should be the other way around but the fact that they they acknowledged all the trigger warnings the fact that they acknowledged the reprehensible patriarchal society right. there and they were digging at it every single chance they got in the trailer and they made things ambiguous enough uh to where i i thought they were, were at least honoring some Th- themes that I agree with, at least. Yeah, it, it's salvageable, especially when you see that line where Matt Damon's saying, I'm, I'm putting my life on the line for you, and Jodie Comer retorts with, you're putting my life on the line for your exactly. pride. That was that, that, that gives me hope, I agree. I, I just I would rather see only Nicole Hall of Center tell this story. You know what I mean? Right, right. Well, you're going to get a humongous Ridley Scott-level battle sequence, mm-hmm. even if it's a battle to the death. So that's that's cool. I mean, the aerial shots over the... I mean, that's that's what the Game of Thrones... Sorry. sorry I'm sorry. But that's what the Game of Thrones Season 1, you know, duels should have been. Uh, and we didn't get those, unfortunately. We did get the... Uh, anyway, we got some great duels down the line. Mike, this is 20th Century Studios. This is Disney you know, uh, gun to your head. You think this is a contender? Does this look like an Oscar contending trailer? Despite your feelings on it, can you see this movie being something that gets gains ground? Sure. I mean, it's it's got a lot going for it, and I you know, big names are attached to it. Veterans, Oscar winners already. Uh, people who are have been nominated but haven't won are on there, and and it's got the time period. It's got the genre that the Academy has liked in the past. Yeah, if it goes, I can see a lot of things going right with it. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think I'm there too because it, it felt like a very Oscar-y trailer. It felt like a very polished trailer, with the exception of the iMovie <laughs> graphics. Yeah, I, I couldn't like. believe that. Yeah, yeah, I'm probably with you on those because they, yeah, yeah, that, that was that was a little. It was just out of. Uh, it was out of the motif of the rest of the trailer. Like they didn't. They I didn't. Like I was watching a PowerPoint with... presentation for God's yeah. sake. Yeah, that didn't quite work. All right, so we're going to hop around to some popular movie trailers here, too, that we wish would probably be oscar But Malignant, this is WB's going to be HBO Max, day and date release, James Wan, September 10th. Michael, my shock and surprise when Annabelle Wallace was the star of Malignant <laughs> because I went into this trailer and I'm like, all right, Allison Brie, she just did the rental. <laughs> Allison Brie, I yeah. love her career. She's moving into the horror movie genre now. Let's go. She's going to be in a haunted house. Who's haunting her? This is an Allison Brie film. As someone who was once criticized and lambasted on the show for saying that, I, who was it? Dominic, uh, what's his name? Will look like John Cena. You, you and you just. Remember. I no. can't remember. Yeah, it doesn't matter, but you've made fun of me for my eyesight being off before. Yeah. And so when I watched this trailer, at no point did I think that was Allison Bree. So I'm very thrilled that the shoe is on the other foot right now because uh, you need to get your eyes checked. It's not good. It, the world is off its axis. I thought the one thing I can rely on in this life is my facial recognition capabilities. And I saw the the poster. And that's another thing. That was a great tweet I sent. I'm more proud of that tweet (laughs) than perhaps any other. And did anybody even like it? Were they just mad? Which what were they mad at? I don't even know what you're talking about. The, go ahead. We have all done it. We've all sent tweets that we thought were very clever. This is not and the first time you're talking about the, you doing this on the show, by the way. I am enraged that nobody <laughs> liked that tweet. Enraged. And we get a lot of play on Twitter. That's fine. I'm not getting mad at our, our Twitter following. But the fact that I was like, uh, oh, I said, per, uh, you know, I'm not even going to, no, I'm not going to reread the tweet. You go <laughs> no, and scroll no. down and read the tweet. I thought you had great. your chance, peasants. You, that's right. I'm not going to try and be forced to perform for you my tweet, my brilliant tweet, and it's not the right medium for it. The, the, it was the, the perfect medium where The artistic where it was. vision is lacking here is what you're that's this right. isn't the proper context for your glory to be consumed. I understand that. <laughs> anyway, what do you think of the trailer for me? <laughs> I think your head is getting as big as mine is, and I love it. Um, <laughs> so, okay, this is a Jallo-inspired film by James Wan. Aren't Jallos Jallos because they're so bright 
and disturbing. Like they're they're vibrant and colorful. This one, when I see Jalo, I know it's Jalo inspired, so it's not technically supposed to be exactly Ajalo. But I, I this was like kind of dreary and 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 drab looking, which fits the motif that the movie seems to be going for. But I was mm. a little surprised by that. So red paint for blood. Uh, <laughs> Italian directors dubbed. <laughs> Dubbed uh, speaking, uh, mm-hmm. a lot of, uh, you know, street walking at night. Right, yep. And yep. a band called Goblin. Right, <laughs> of course. A band called Goblin <laughs> is supposed to score your giallo. Which will no doubt be on the soundtrack. I can't uh, I can't see James Wan not doing that. I, I don't know what's going on in this trailer, to be honest. Like, is they don't uh, yeah. really seem to be hiding the fact that, that she's killing these people, right? <sighs> or at least her alter ego or whatever. I'm so confused as well. I think this is kind of a, a a mosh pit of horror movie influences, and Giallos are certainly one of them. But everything from the Poltergeist, Insidious, Conjuring, James Wan movies where you have the paranormal investigators interviewing the protagonist trope mm-hmm. to the sinister Insidious where the host is haunted more than the house to... Basically, the girl from The Ring is the Gabriel monster, and mm. she's very yucky, and she's killing people, and then she's also got the shadow. But all the way down to One Miss Call, Michael. One Miss Call, the horror movie <laughs> classic, Mount Rushmore horror film. Of course. Where, of course. Uh, would you hold, please? The devil is on the other line. We would like <laughs> to speak to you. <laughs> I want to talk about all-time movie posters, too, by the way. That had one. I remember it vividly. I don't, look, right. I, I, I trust James Wan in the horror space like more than anyone not named Jordan Peele right now. So I, I'm in for this, absolutely. I just don't... In, in the way I want trailers to leave me with like wanting more and wanting to not know what's going on, I really got confused by this one more than I was intrigued. Yeah, if I had to bet, this movie's going to be better than the trailer. And it was a cool poster. I mean, the, the poster reminded yeah. me of Audition, too. Which yeah, I could see that. Really scary sure. horror yeah. movie for obvious reasons. So, all right, we, uh, we hope to be proved wrong by Malignant. We have Jackass Forever. Why are we reviewing Jackass Forever? I don't know. Paramount, October 22nd. No, I do know, because this was the hardest I've laughed since mm-hmm. Spike Lee announced the first award, Michael. <laughs> Sorry, Spike. I, just, this is, I laughed hard at this stupid trailer. The bicycle guy, the couch store killed me. Yep. Just killed me. Yep. That spider thing. <laughs> the spider thing had lit- my stomach concaved in, and I'm fat. I couldn't believe it but then and then it ended with the bear like oh my god these are stunts with punchlines and that's the brilliance of jackass yeah i can't, i can't wait this is gonna be just i mean look mike we can and have for years cosplay a serious movie folk all we want mm-hmm. and we can spend six to ten months dignifying the artistic integrity of someone <laughs> pooping in a bucket but at the end of the day there's poop in that bucket and we're the type of guys that are just going to laugh at the poop every time. So this this movie is for the jackasses, ironically, in all of us, of which you and I have plenty of. I can't wait. Uh, that's great. I do uh, I do want to you know hold to the facade for a second that we're actual <laughs> movie critics and give a little pros and cons here. The cons is that Steve-O is talking about concussions before you're 50 like that's okay. <laughs> what is wrong with him? Oh, Oh, you don't want people taking their medical advice from Steve-O is, is your stance? Yeah, all right. I'll co-sign that. Good, good. I'm glad we're on the same page. So, yeah, Jackass Forever, thank you very much, uh, is 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 a movie that we're just irrationally uh, excited for. Uh, I, I hate the it. hardest. I think Jackass 2 was the hardest I've ever laughed in a theater. Right? They're funny. So. They're stupid. Yeah. They're stupid. They're gu- Talk about guilty pleasures. We, yeah, we, absolutely. God, we're assholes, aren't we? <laughs> Mike, Blue Bayou, this is the uh, the film that we've talked about quite a bit at Cannes. For whatever reason, we didn't review the trailer last week, and I think we should, because this is Justin Chan, Alicia Vikander, Focus Features, September 17th. This is on Clayton Davis's list. This is basically like a boomer bust Oscar yeah. profile right now. What would you think of Blue Bayou's trailer? I'll wait for you, dear listener, to tell me the last podcast you heard that can segue from Jackass 4 to Blue Bayou all seriously. <laughs> like, uh, So I was impressed with this trailer. It's really not at all what I thought this movie was going to be, which mm. I guess is part of the reason I was impressed. I feel like this is an important story. It deals with 
ICE agents and potential deportation. And I actually really appreciate the way it seems like it's going to be this systemic, holistic picture uh, mm. with regards to outside forces that can pressure someone into robbing a store or doing something criminal. There's a lot to like about that. I think there's a lot to like about what we see from Alicia Vikander. I've never seen her in this type of performance before. That said, with what we know about the movie's release already and how polarizing it is and the release date it has, September to go wide, I, I, there are reasons to be concerned, I think, as well. I'm wondering if the, the robbery is a flashback, though, because they, they mentioned he had a criminal record and then they show the robbery. and Yeah, I'm, mm. I'm not sure. Yes, yeah, sure. it could be. I, I took it as he, that's something that he was doing to pay the lawyer fees to try and fight the case. So maybe oh my God. Know, more questions than answers. Yeah, maybe. maybe. Because people were infuriated. Some people were infuriated by the last 40 minutes of this film, as you mm-hmm. tweeted and as you mentioned last week. Uh, Blue Bayou is also, uh, you know, something that just hit the the pundits out there like Clayton the the right way to where they're they're praising it as a best picture contender, mm-hmm. uh, and that's not new. They, he's been all over that film for a while. Sure. So I mean, it's it's definitely on our radar. It's been for the last month, and we're we're looking at Alicia Vikander pulling off an accent here. We're looking at Justin Chan, yeah. you know, doing wearing multiple hats as the star, as the writer director and w- with a like you said a, a story that is as timely and as important and as uh as substantive as we can get. So sure. he's got to execute it and we'll see if he does and I'm you know, we'll be all over it in September for sure. Yeah, absolutely something to come down the pipeline. Those are the trailers that we think uh could be should be or God willing, if we ever run the country, jackass will be in contention for Oscars consideration at some point. But we can transition to some film festival news, Michael. Yeah, as we await the full lineup for the 46th Toronto International Film Festival, which is just hundreds of films long. uh, (laughs) This is happening on August 24th, where they'll release the full lineup. We did get a huge... Uh, first wave of announcements, Mike. 32 films in all. These are the gala and special presentations at TIFF, uh, a festival that's going to run September 9th through the 18th. Do you think they have, like, Clifford the Big Red Dog coffee mugs or wine glasses at this gala? I hope they do. I hope they also have Madame Tussauds uh, do a <laughs> Keenan Thompson. Uh, if he doesn't want to be, you know, <laughs> stupid. Anyway, yeah. It's just Keenan. actually Keenan Thompson standing there and, and all get up. I want a photo. I want to go to TIFF. I don't think we can. But uh, uh, I want to get my passport together. I want to skirt COVID. No, we can't. There's no way. Anyway. I Is Keenan love- here? My dream would be to take a picture next to the life-sized uh, Clifford, you know, and with Keenan Thompson pointing at that or pointing at me with a weird face. Oh, that would be my favorite. Yeah. I, you that know killed what? me in the trailer. <laughs> I agree. There's there's a lot of good to be had, but we do have 11 galas uh, and an additional 21 special presentations. We know one of those galas is going to be Clifford. That's why we joke about it. Uh, but that's, those, that's what has been unveiled thus far. Uh, preceding our reactions, we got to express some disappointment, as always, because... Only nine of these 32 films were directed by women. So we're batting 27% as far as uh, galas or special presentation for female-helmed pictures. Yeah, that's terrible. Mm -hmm. And it's not indicative of of the last, you know, swath of film festivals. I mean, say what you want about 2020. We were refreshed to see more representation in those film festival lineups. Uh, Look, I mean, we'll withhold judgment here because... And maybe we shouldn't. I mean, we're, we're dismayed by this, but we'll withhold some judgment because we haven't seen the full lineup yet. That is coming late August, like I said. So I, I don't know, though. I, we, we were talking about the man movie backlash, this systemic industry problem that uh, could rear its ugly head again this year because of the movies that we saw getting pushed. Sure. And because of the preview that we do. This could very well happen. We've been kind of predicting it or, or fearing it, I would say, for a while. And is this a, an indicator? I mean, this is the biggest film festival going. I, I'm a little scared that it is. If it happens, we're going to be on here yelling about it like we always are. I mean, the only way that things like this change is if uh, people keep pointing it out and bringing it to the uh, to the attention. So, uh, yeah. hope, you know, hopefully we can do that and hopefully the listeners can as well. I wonder if people heard the gods thundering above us as you said that. <laughs> so, gosh darn it. Uh, all right. Well, let's talk about some highlights, some 
Red flags or not uh, about the Toronto International Film Festival, this is uh, always a fun thing to, for us to do to get familiar with everything. Yeah. But we'll start off with some films that we've already talked about in previous episodes. Our year in preview series was certainly a highlight of our spring. It really uh, got us going again after a grueling Oscar season, Mike, thanks to Swell <laughs> Entertainment, etc. But we did discuss the trailer for Dear Evan Hansen, and that is the opening film in Toronto uh, from Universal there. So I'm a little surprised that that's being picked to open the the festival. Hmm. I'm even more surprised looking at the cast list that Anna Kendrick, how did she not get cast in this? Right. <laughs> like this Kendrick. is an Anna Kendrick movie as far as if I've ever seen an Anna Kendrick movie, she should be in this. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> That's yeah. my stance. That's my take. Yeah. That's what I. That's what you need to know about me and Dear Evan Hansen. Stephen Chbosky and, and Anna Kendrick should work together. Is what you think? <laughs> I have. I just have a hard time with this one, Mike. I really do. I, I don't know. With mm-hmm. Ben Platt looking every bit of like twenty five or twenty seven or whatever. Oh, he's he twenty seven. He looks okay. thirty seven. Yeah, yeah. Like, unfortunately. I don't, how he, am I going to take this seriously? Right. If he was playing a teacher. Right. I would agree with this film. And the look, it's just, it's all issues that we have. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's our, it's me problems. It's you problems because well, he has my hairline. Right. 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 It, but also he looks 30 in high school. <laughs> you know, like we kill TV shows from the eighties yes. and movies yes. from the late eighties and early nineties who tried to pull the exact same thing. We can't let it go just because we all like Ben Platt, which we do, but right. he's not 18. Is that the correct answer, or did this happenstance where 30-year-olds playing high schoolers peak in the early aughts? Because those five Spider-Man movies, or maybe it peaked in The Amazing <laughs> Spider-Man, where, where Andrew Garfield's like 35. Mm. Fair <laughs> he point. wasn't. He Fair wasn't. Point. But, you know, he's <laughs> was ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> Dear Evan Hansen had a strong trailer like it posed the, the dilemma and and look I, we we got at it for the that one big nitpick uh, i probably shouldn't call it a nitpick but we've been seeing this a lot lately where it's a trailer we just went over trailers a trailer that we despised corella mm. pig and we may love the movie i love corella yeah. and i really enjoyed pig and I, I we this has been happening to us a lot lately so i'm hoping the same with dear evan hansen I, I hope so as well, and certainly if people are talking about the year of the musical, uh, year of the musical has taken a couple lumps so far. In the Heights wasn't it was received okay, but I don't think it lived up to what everyone was kind of expecting it to be. Even though the people that did get around to seeing it seemed to enjoy it, mm-hmm. but I think it had higher, you know expectations for itself in terms of awards than it may actually finish up with. Uh, We don't know what's going to happen with Wicked, if that's still going to be coming out. Dear Evan Hansen's the next one up, right? West Side Story, we all have our trepidations about that. So this year of the musical, which was supposed to happen last year, got pushed to this year, and now it could use a little boost of Dear Evan Hansen being very, very good. If not, it's uh, it's Vivo for Best Picture then. Oh my (laughs) God, the gods. The gods are angry. All right, uh... Mike, we got the closing night film uh, as a bit of a surprise. Yeah, Zhang Yimou, his movie One Second, is going to be the closing night gala. Uh, Yimou is the director formerly of Hero, House of Flying Daggers, and The Great Wall from 2016. I love these plot premises and you got one from tiff and you got one from imdb the tiff one reads a man escapes a labor camp for a glimpse of his beloved daughter my god that grips you right there yeah and then the imdb plot premise says a movie fan in a remote farmland strikes a relationship with a homeless vagabond again two quick little you know snippets at what one second might be for us and i'm i'm hooked and this is just bought by Neon, Mike. Big story the other day. Neon scooped it up uh, immediately when it was uh, called the closing nighter. Could those two sentences have less crossover on their face? A man escapes a labor camp for a glimpse of his daughter, and it's also a movie fan in a remote farmland strikes a relationship with a homeless female vagabond? Did I find two different movies? I don't know. Uh, yeah. I can't look it up <laughs> now. I, I thought I found the same movie on both the sites, but maybe that maybe Act One's an Act One and and, and the others an Act Two. I don't know. I, it's got the potential to Somebody certainly wow us. us because those those sound <laughs> very very different. But yeah, like you said, I mean, reason to be excited. If Neon puts their weight behind anything on a film festival market anymore, there's reason to be excited about it. And uh, look, 
Yimu's movies are historically a big deal. They bring a ton of cachet with them because he is a two-time BAFTA winner for the non-English movie category, even though mm-hmm. I don't think his, I think his last one was 2004. That's off the top of my head. Don't quote me on that. But as far as one second goes, it's got an early 7.3 on over 600 IMDb scores. I think there's reason to be excited about this. There's certainly reason to be excited whenever any movie gets picked as the closer of a film festival such as TIFF. I, I'm excited to see it. I, I think uh, I would buy either one of those plot premises if I were Neon. <laughs> so if they bought both, then they should be happy. But on a side note, my brother and his wife, your former roommate <laughs> and his wife, their first date movie was Hero. Go figure, right? Oh, wow. <laughs> Didn't you have a Twitter question a while back? The Yes. <laughs> about first the date beginnings movies? of your brother's uh, relationship with his wife is Whoa. full of uh, yeah. stories I can listen to all day. <laughs> I've always given him shit about you took her to Hero. That was exactly. your first pick. That's, that's one of them. Uh, his best friend Frank tells a great story. Like it's just, mwah, just so many great ones. Yeah, Frank uh, is a liar, but uh, John's a character. Any no, I uh, let's let's move on with the tip uh, announcements here. We had four big ones, Mike, and I don't want to skirt over these, but. Uh, we, we've been pre- previewing them quite a bit. Netflix is going to send Antoine Fuqua's The Guilty and Jake uh, with Jake Gyllenhaal and The Starling featuring M- Melissa McCarthy and Kevin Klein there. Focus Features is going to be sending Last Night in Soho from Edgar Wright, obviously, Anya Taylor-Joy, Thomas McKenzie uh, in that one. And Kenneth Branagh's Belfast, that has Judy Dench uh, and Jamie Dornan in it. Those are going to TIFF as well. So... If, if you could click on four films or right this second and just watch a movie marathon, this is probably the four that I, I would click on. Now, we've been previewing the hell out of these for a while uh, with Netflix and the fact that, uh, you know, the Starling is, is done by the director of Hidden Figures and The Guilty is done by the director of Training Day. Mm-hmm. And my God, it's a remake of a great uh, international film. And holy shit, Edgar Wright is my favorite filmmaker working today. <laughs> and Catriona Balfe is, uh, is an outlander. And... My goodness, Dame Judi Dench is also there. Focus Features is always a player in the Oscar race. Um, Try not to say things about how hot Judi Dench is, is what I'm saying. (laughs) I I thought you were going to end that sentence with Kenneth Branagh, so that's fine. (laughs) Right. So, no, I'm really looking forward to to those four movies. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it emboldens my anticipation that they're all getting, uh, you know, the festival circuit treatment here. TIFF's always one of the ones we're most excited for and impressed with, right? Annually. Like we just, they always seem to have their finger on the pulse of what's going to toe that line between popular and awards worthy. And I, I, yeah, I'm with you. I think they've, they're nailing it again this year with their announcements thus far. Yeah. And they got a lot of canned titles as well. We've, we just did a huge episode. We did a couple huge episodes last month on the Cannes film festival and all the profiles for those for those movies, but Bergman Island with Tim Roth, Vicky Crepes, Drive My Car. I can't believe we're talking about that movie again, by the way. Even in passing, <laughs> right now, I can't. That This is, I think, the sixth or seventh time we're talking about Bergman Island. Bergman Island <laughs> is where we're all going to live this September, Michael. You know, Tim uh, Roth was in Lie to Me? He is in Lie to Me, which was on network television. <laughs> You're welcome, people who listen people, to every episode. <laughs> some people watch. Uh, Drive My Car was a screenplay winner. Paris 13th District, the story of my wife. The Worst Person of the World, The Actress Winner there, Three Floors out of Italy. Uh, they're all going to be at TIFF as well. And then Petite Meme, Meme? Celine Sciamma of Portrait of Lady on Fire. She deserves better pronunciation from me. That was from Berlin. So we got films making the circuit. Uh, and another one of those that uh, we've been previewing quite a bit, that uh, Michael Showalter of The Big Sick He's, he's uh, behind the director's chair there. The Eyes of Tammy Faye, Mike, with Jessica Chastain and Andrew Garfield gets a... gets a. I think that was the first movie that I saw come out of TIFF. That was the first tweet that happened yesterday. Oh, okay. The Eyes of cool. Tammy Faye got that first announcement for, uh, of these 32. This is genuinely, like, maybe the most curious I've been to see any film debut in any Ugh. festival. Not for, like, personal enjoyment, but I'm just fascinated at how this can be received because i like even take the last duel for instance like Mm -hmm. most times with bigger oscar contending movies i can at least understand why a movie is being received well and i just kind of laid out the case why i can see if the last duel is received well and being held to awards i i I can i just don't see it with this one and if it does happen 
I'll be pleasantly surprised. I mean, I love Michael Showalter. I love Jessica Chastain. Andrew Garfield's association with this movie, notwithstanding, I hope <laughs> there's people around this that I really like and I really would like to see in the Oscars race and it would think it would be good for the discussion and be good for social media and just overall it'd be more fun when people like that are, I'm, I'm obviously joking, Andrew Garfield included, it's just more fun when they're in those races, but <laughs> how is this movie going to be the one that gets all of them there this year? I fascinated like you. It'll be one of the greatest upsets, I think, in in Oscars history. If this type of movie does that, yeah, I I really <laughs> don't know. I think I think we're further distancing our distancing ourselves from a certain swath of uh, good people out there. That well, I, I mean, on maybe. Stuff like me. Well, that's the thing. Michael Showalter probably is one of them, right? He probably grew up following the Tammy Faye Baker story, following these te- televangelists and the, and the corruption scandals that were involved there. And and this is, this is going to be that story. So this is not necessarily something that you look at, and this is Johnny Depp in blow, right? I mean, or maybe it is. Maybe that's, the, that's what we're getting <laughs> with the eyes of Tammy Faye, and that's why this is going to be fascinating. But I, w- I am, like, so cringy. Uh, every time I get a trailer for this or a, a first look, uh, and it's not just because of Andrew Garfield's makeup; it's because of all the baggage. <laughs> it's because of all the baggage I have, and uh, not yeah, just no, the baggage under his eyes in this. No, it's the actual. The fa- yeah. yeah, the fact that the skies are opening up right now. If you guys, right. I canceled the noise Same here. I, the noise cancellation. So I don't know if you're gonna. Every time one of us talks, it's gonna sound like we're on deck with Ahab. <laughs> <laughs> As a reference for the kids out there. <laughs> Literally the kids in seventh grade who are right, to read exactly, the book. No. Exactly. Uh, I, look, I, I'm, I'm, I'm as intrigued as you are for non-movie reasons. It's like, mm. how do they freaking make this work marketing-wise and all that? So the eyes of Tammy Faye, we're going to be on the lookout for that one as well. Otherwise, Mike, I kind of wanted to you know, give an introduction to a bunch of films today that we are kind of recognizing in this TIFF 32, this first wave of TIFF. And these are not films that we've kind of bit into as of yet. So mm. let's start with Official Competition. That's the title of the film. This is with Penelope Cruz, Antonio Banderas. The stills are mwah. It's Penelope Cruz and Antonio Banderas, two of the most photogenic people Ever. This is about a wealthy businessman hires a famous filmmaker to help make a smash hit film. Uh, Could you be a little (laughs) more vague with the premise? (laughs) A wealthy businessman. Oh, so Hollywood. Like literally just Hollywood. (laughs) Uh, Sometimes the autobiographical movies could be good. Pain and glory. No. Yeah, yeah, Pain and Glory. (laughs) Just talked about that one before we hit record today. Pedro Almodovar is coming up. Don't worry. Um, I don't know. Yeah, sure. Could be anything by that premise, I guess. Uh, But we also have The Electrical Life of Louis Wan. This has Benabil Cumberbull. Uh, (laughs) The premise goes, an English artist, Louis Wan, rises to prominence at the end of the 19th century for his surreal cat paintings. And I just, at this point, I feel like we're just throwing darts at a board coming up with things. Sounds like a film festival movie, right? (laughs) This is uh, Will Sharp, uh, three-time BAFTA nominee as a director, so I'm intrigued here. He's making a big jump to, or back to feature films. He kind of started getting, you know, getting those BAFTA first feature award nominees there uh, to kick off his career. But this is Sophia DiMartino, who is absolutely the breakout from Loki. She is Sylvie from Loki. This is Claire Foy, Andrea Riesborough, Adil Akhtar of The Big Sick. I'm intrigued by the the electrical life. Of Louis Wayne, or however you pronounce it, we just pronounce it opposite ways. Everything the opposite way, so maybe one of us will get close on some of these titles. But century surreal <laughs> cat paintings. Mike, I've been hearing about this movie for like four years. It seems like so. I have no idea if this is one that we should really be keeping our eye on. If this has been, I mean, I thought this was the current war before this was the right. current war. I may right. be confused with the current war and the electrical life mm-hmm. of Louis Wayne. Obviously, they're very different stories, but because they're both, <laughs> I thought they had, yeah, no. I don't remember the cat in the current war. Now that you bring That's it right. up, you're right. Uh, Nobody we, should remember the current war, Mike. <laughs> we also have The Mad Woman's Ball. This is from Melanie Laurent. It's written and directed and starring her as she uh, played in Inglorious Bastards uh, and Oxygen. And the premise goes, a woman who is unfairly institutionalized at Paris Asylum plots to escape with the help of one of its nurses. It's based on the novel Le Bal de Folie by Victoria Moss. Very good. I, I Everybody try. else is just like, <laughs> ugh. 
You American, fuck you. <laughs> I tried. Uh, We've well, been on once before. It's, it sounds intriguing. Yeah, I got to stop with the French stuff, especially coming <laughs> off the can episode, which, again, you know, we want it to be at this year's can, and they'll never let us. We'll, be, we'll show up with our stopwatches, and they're like, D- immediate deportation. Uh, but, no, oh, this is a, this movie, that's a serious premise that I'm choking around because I'm uh, deflecting, Michael, because this, she has been awesome in everything I've ever seen her in, Melanie mm. Laurent. And, you know, Inglorious Bastards was just the start of it. And here she is talking about this institutionalized patriarchy uh, involving the, the mistreatment of people at asylums. And, my God, uh, th- this story could have legs. You never know. I mean, this could be this could be a Best International Film contender, an Oscar contender. We're going to get something coming out and making big waves in the I mean, I know it's going to be tough, but it happens every year. Something's going to break through. So, yeah, I, mean, I think it's absolutely worthy of keeping an eye on not only something Look, like this, but uh, any of these that we're mentioning right now. In all seriousness, we know France is going to have a hard time getting Titan in as its you know, selection, right? <laughs> because we just selection. Seriously, yeah. seriously, because of the subject matter. I mean, we haven't seen the movie yet, but based on everything we've read, right. that does not, that seems like a non-starter for the Academy. You never know. I mean, so that's what I'm just saying. France has opened up. No, that's a good call. That's a good call by you. Uh, although I would love to see, I, I mean, how can you not want to pull for Titan right now to be the selection? <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. All right. All My Puny Sorrows, this is starring Allison Pill of The Newsroom, Sarah Gad- uh, Gad- Gadden of Alias Grace, Black Bear, Enemy, True Detective, I'm a big fan of hers. Michael, this is a, a brother-sister story based on a novel by Miriam Toes, uh, and we have uh, a concert pianist obsessed with ending her life, so another heavy, heavy premise here. Another, a writer who in wrestling with this decision makes profound discoveries about herself. Alison Pill is a student of the Ann Dowd School of Forboden. Mm, um, that's a great take. <laughs> no, it's totally true. Right. I mean, when you see her on screen, you know she's going to be responsible for something bad happening. You at brace some point. yourself. You right. brace yourself when Alison Pill. Alison Pill, you've gotten typecast. But right. No, you're yeah, but great it's a credit to her. It's a credit to her. I mean, she right. pulls it off, and somehow I'm constantly surprised every time she is revealed to be the nefarious one. But. Uh, keep your eye on her in this one. <laughs> I am keeping my eye on her in, again, all my puny sorrows. Looking forward to it. Uh, Benediction, Mike. This is Jack Loden starring as poet Siegfried Sassoon. Uh, this is from Terrence Davies of the Deep Blue Sea, which I liked. Rachel Weiss there. Mm. Uh, Jack Loden is from Dunkirk, fighting with my family, Capone. He's a, he's a tremendous young actor. Uh, this is based on... Oh, this is where I put the other wrong premise in this one. Mm, there like you a go. Little, dope. little switcher, right, little on. switcheroo. This is the story of English poet, writer, and soldier Siegfried Sassoon. So that was I probably could have <laughs> wrote that premise right now and lied to you all. Sorry. Get a better premise. Come on. I uh, I have as much of a take for this movie as they do for their own premise right now. So I think the best <laughs> thing to do is to just move on and tell you about Encounter, Michael. <laughs> okay, Riz Ahmed is starring in Encounter here. This seems like a genre film. Two brothers embark on a journey with their father who is trying to protect them from an alien threat. This is director Michael Pierce, though, of Beast. This is a, a movie I loved with Jesse Buckley and Johnny yeah. Flynn back in 2017. So maybe it, maybe it is more uh, intense than I, I'd expect. Because Beast was, yeah, Beast was a cool-ass thriller. So this is Riz Ahmed. If you're looking for something that makes sense on paper to be a, a little known film that kind of rises above, I mean, Michael Pierce, Beast, had kind of uh, awards legs when it came out years ago. Riz Ahmed, we all know, was just nominated. Octavia Spencer, who's in this, is nominated seemingly every time she does a project. Nice. So uh, it could be something, uh, you know, I, I know the potential alien threat angle of this isn't exactly something that would lend itself to being Academy friendly necessarily, but anything's possible. What if it's like, well, I mean, it could be like a Take Shelter, Michael Shannon movie, right? Mm-hmm. Jessica Chastain. Sure. It could be a Take Shelter version or, yeah, maybe it's it's funny and it's Save Themselves or Save yeah. Yourselves, which was, was, which was a blast. So Encounter, going to look out for it. I think it's I thought you were going to name drop Paul there for a second. Uh, it could be Paul. Yeah. You never know. It could, yeah. Anyway, father-son movie, Riz Ahmed, Encounter. So next up we have I'm Your Man, director Maria Schrader. She did the Unorthodox miniseries, which uh, led to an Emmy nom for her. It's her unlikely sci-fi rom 
rom-com. It explores human relationships through the inquisitive eyes of a cyborg. We have Dan <laughs> Stevens and Marin Eggert in this one. Uh, the premise reads, in order to obtain research funds for her studies, a scientist accepts an offer to participate in an extraordinary experiment for three weeks. She is to live with a humanoid robot created to make her happy. So I'm Your Man sounds like the movie I would reserve immediately at this festival, right? Because oh, really? This is a genre film. This is a certain star of Downton Abbey and the guest. And you're so this is you saying contest. you have a crush on Dan Stevens. Maybe. No, but this, <laughs> this is why I love TIFF, right? This is why we love TIFF every year and where, where we look upon it. Like, this is a cool-ass festival. They got all yeah, the genre films sure. that we want to see. Like, some of the coolest movies every year come out of TIFF. Absolutely. Uh, and, and this is another example of that. Michael... Lakewood. This is going to star Naomi Watts. This is directed by Philip Noyce of The Quiet American and The Bone Collector. Supposedly a thriller here with a prop a, a prop premise of a mother desperately races against time to save her child as authorities place her small town in lockdown. Yeah, this, I mean, you know, once every three or four years we have Naomi Watts on the run trying to protect the child from something wicked, so we're due. <laughs> And once every hundred years, we have a global pandemic, so those stories will come aplenty right now. No, this is Philip. Uh, Philip Noyce made some really good thrillers back in the day. He's he's kind of been in a rough patch lately, so we'll see if he can rebound. Michael Knight Raiders, I thought, had a, a, an important premise here. And again, this is a Canadian film festival uh, talking about the quote, the plot premise of Knight Raiders. Denis Goulet, uh, singular thriller, draws on Canada's ugly colonial legacy for a propulsive piece of genre cinema set in a dystopian post-war future. So again, genre film coming out of tip. If this pitch were given within the walls of a studio's marketing department, Hmm. singular thriller draws on Canada's ugly colonial legacy for a propulsive piece of genre cinema set in a dystopian post-war. If that pitch was given in a marketing department with all those rhetorically arbitrary $10 buzzwords crammed one right after the other, (laughs) you would have a room full of erections. Uh, This is why film festival curators are some of my favorites, though. Yeah, I want to see Night Raiders immediately. I'm going to pay for it to see it. Great job. It's just, I, I, I mean, I don't know what any of that means, but yeah, I'm there. But it's got substance. It's got substance. It's it's self-reflective for Canada to, to put a film like this and feature sure. it at a gala. I mean, that's that's all great, and yeah. I'm all for it. So I agree. That, you know, I didn't just want to mention all the films with the big names. I mean, that this is this is an important one uh, to t- take notice of. So Propulsive uh, is a word that needs to be used more. Too. That's a good word. Yeah. That is a good word. Yeah. All right. Um, I was going to try and use it here. I can't even do it. I'm not even going <laughs> to dishonor that word it's the gods mike i can't believe are you hearing through uh, my well, I, I, I have it here too yeah i mean the uh, sky's opened up here it sounded like it was hailing for a second okay uh, whole, i have no idea if you're gonna cut this or not but all right the survivor is uh barry levinson talk about some callbacks we got philip noise and now barry levinson yeah. uh this is starring ben foster of Le- leave no trace hell or high water barry levinson's biographical drama the survivor stars ben foster as boxer harry half who looks to carry on after fighting to survive in world war ii concentration camps mike so I remember us previewing this one a while ago and talking about what a uniquely yeah. Academy-friendly slant this one sounded like it had. Mm-hmm. You got a biopic of war, specifically World War II, Barry Levinson. You got yeah. the veteran actor in Ben Foster, who's had awesome resume builders the f- past few years and is kind of knocking on the Academy door. If, if you assume something like this lands like it sounds like it's capable of doing, if it's going to check all those boxes successfully... This could be something we have to keep our eye on reception-wise, and TIFF could be a huge jumping-off point for this to make its way into the awards conversation. I mean, this really sounds like, you know, if if every movie was a a list of ingredients, Mm -hmm. this one on paper sounds like something that could be a sneaky contender. It looks like a next-level dad movie that Mm, we've seen Academy Oscar uh, nominees for... sure. uh, legion amounts of times in our past so the Mm. survivor yeah it it feels like that again we love some of these movies when they're done well and barry levinson has done some of these movies very well from recent hbo films to wag the dog etc yeah good morning vietnam his career has really been propulsive his career has been (laughs) propulsive for next level dad films all right you fixed it (laughs) 
the survivor. I was just being a jerk. No, seriously, Ben Foster. We've been waiting for him to get yes. his showcase. So you, you never know. Uh, hopefully, this comes out of the festival. I, I get I get worried about some of these movies that have been batting around for a while in terms of the previews and Harry Haft. I think it was the t- it was entitled Harry Haft for a long time there. And you're right. We had this in our previews of whenever 2018 mm-hmm. for Christ's sake. So we'll was it that, that, that worries me. Yeah. Who Jeez. knows? All right. Maybe. I don't know. It, it, it all blends together with you, Mike. It really Mike. does. <laughs> Violet. <Imagine> being me. <laughs> Violet is going to star Olivia Munn, and she is going to be in Justine Bateman, longtime actress Justine Bateman's feature debut. Uh, and uh, the plot premise reads, Violet realizes that her entire life is built on a fear-based decisions and must do everything differently to become her true self. Also starring Justin Theroux. So this is either my own biopic or a dramatic retelling of that one episode of Seinfeld where George does everything he normally wouldn't do on instinct and immediately starts working out in his favor. And I had that take written down. I thought it was a decent joke, but you reminded me you don't watch Seinfeld. Yeah, I revealed to you in the... I don't know how much I've I've played along with your Seinfeld... And how duplicitous I've here been. Here comes the big, the big reveal. You're going to get a huge weight off your chest here. Yeah, no, I haven't seen a lot of Seinfeld. I, For I years, think I watched... I've had to play along with your inane, driveling references. <laughs> or they've gone over my head, and maybe you felt bad about that. So maybe this is a, a healthy a revelation for me. But I... I just have not seen a lot of Seinfeld. I've seen every episode of Curb, and maybe you made assumptions. Uh, uh, it could be, yeah. I don't, or maybe I just thought you know you were a human in America. I'm sorry, but the, here's the thing: like when you give me funny Seinfeld pitches about George and nothing happened, and <laughs> you know that's every Seinfeld episode. That's not your fault that you can't pitch the Seinfeld episode that I want to watch. And I'm sure every every listener right now is like just angry with me but it's not I, well, I'm just, I can do. I'm, I'm I it's just more amazing than anything do you not have any interest in, in ever watching it I started to rewatch it and I got a little bored at the end of the first season and I didn't yeah. stick with it all right the, well, the first season's not the great I would say for any show it's tough to have well right. lately it's not been true but especially shows that came out in the 90s 80s 90s first season or so is tough to get through i can understand that well if justine bateman or olivia munn if you're listening we apologize we're trying to tout your film <laughs> That's here. oh my god yeah we totally trampled i i, I am sorry about that we want to see olivia munn with a showcase we've uh, yes. for a very long time we Absolutely. even in that terrible x-men movie she was cool and and going back to g4 we thought she's had just a swell of yep. talent and i i think uh yeah, I mean, let's get get the hell away from Aaron Rodgers and just get an Oscar nomination, Olivia Munn. <laughs> Agree. Agree with both points there. <laughs> All right, some documentaries that uh, I took notice of. Dionne Warwick, Don't Make Me Over, and Jagged, which is about Alanis Morissette. We have uh, another Holocaust-adjacent animated film called Charlotte Mike that I took note of, again, again in these 32 films. So... You know, we 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 talked about the docs already. Uh, Charlotte adds to the number of animated art films that may contend against the Vivos and the Encantos. Yeah, and, and again, I mean, this is what this is the best of TIFF. It sounds like trying to pick big films, trying to pick small films, and trying to do its part and really starting to shape a lot of major categories. I mean, it's, it's around TIFF time is is really where we start getting your footing on the award season ground right. and understanding where the winds might be blowing. At least across, year. yeah, at least a cross section. These fall film festivals are gonna, they're gonna make their point and they're gonna make their mark yeah. on the Oscar race, no doubt about it. So we're gonna continue to cover TIFF. We're gonna, we're also gonna cover New York and Venice and, and Telluride, etc. And New York and Venice, we're expecting some announcements soon, probably on their opening, closing, and centerpiece films. Otherwise, I do know that the French Dispatch is headed to New York, and now I saw some rumors via Matt Neglia and friends there that Soggy Bottom from PTA may be headed to the NYFF. Mike, we may have to get dressed up if that's uh, if that's uh, at New York, my old stomping grounds there. We may just have to take a road trip, no? I will wear spandex. <laughs> <laughs> and swamp ass a hat soggy <laughs> a hat because i don't want to burn my face sun gets hot out there yes it does <laughs> as for venice and what we have for announcements for that so far uh pedro almodovar told you he'd be coming up again his new movie parallel mothers that's been tapped to open the venice film festival that'll be september 1st and there will be a press conference scheduled for the first week of august for more there 
I just, uh, I'm just, I'm just picturing you as fucking Vader with a top hat going into just New sitting, York Festival sitting on the train, sipping a root beer out of a straw. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. This That's is a good Friday. <laughs> and here I am in like my fucking dress shirt. Oh my god, that would be funny. Are you uh, Barry I have no Levinson? Idea what you said? What did you talk about, Pedro? Did you read the Pedro Motorbike? Are stuff? you Barry Levinson? Just walking up to random old men at the New York Film Festival. Uh, yes, I did. I did. We can go out to the betting odds. <laughs> My God. All right. Yeah, I'm into Venice too. All right. We wanted to leave a cherry on top of this episode. That should have been it. But for Christ's sake, we we were getting tweets from uh, David Long there, our pal mm-hmm. at uh, Is It Worth It? Make sure you check out their podcast uh craig fields david long do a great job they're coming out with something soon i believe uh they just uh they just were tweeting about some movies they were watching so great podcast there and david is the expert on oscar betting even more so than us michael he was sending us some odds that i couldn't find because they're via uh irish bookie yeah i was gonna the uh the european books usually have way more of a selection than uh some american books at least in uh the experience of the friends I know who gambles lives. That's right. You heard from a birdie who came mm-hmm. and talked. Exactly. <laughs> and said, bet the green one. It was a no, basilisk uh, or whatever that thing was from Harry Potter. So I had to go to Vegas Insider and I found some best picture odds and I found some best actor odds. And I just wanted to throw some of them at you, Michael, to hear your thoughts. I tweeted about some of these. Blue Bayou. Six to one, House of Gucci, ten to one, Annette, ten to one. So Annette and Blue Bayou with favorable odds there. Okay, D- don't put anything on either of those. The right. only value I hear is House of Gucci because if that one lives up to what everyone expects it to be, everyone ex- already is kind of anointing it as a best picture nom. I mm-hmm. can o- I can only imagine those odds actually get shorter. If you can find House of Gucci at ten to one right now, mm. it's not a bad bet. You may not get better odds than that if that's what you're going to ride with all year. Uh, Mm-hmm. Blue Bayou makes no sense to me for for any kind of money or early action because look if that one is as polarizing as its initial reception has been mm-hmm. you have to think those odds are only going to get longer even if it's the greatest movie in the world I think its odds might get longer just because of the uphill battle it's going to have to climb with this murderer's row of titles coming out in the fall right. so if Blue Bayou is your pick I would think like Wait until mid-November, early November, when we've already had some of the big titles come out, but we have much more on the horizon. I would think that's when you're going to get best odds on that. But again, I don't know that Blue Bayou is... You have to take guts to say Blue Bayou is going to be a best picture contender, not just a nominee, but an actual contender for the title, which is how you cash this bet. So just wait on it would be my advice there. Well, that's the thing. If you're going to sprinkle right now... I'm learning the lingo. <laughs> You're going to sprinkle on Nightmare Alley, The Tragedy of Macbeth, not even, but West Side Story, yeah. The Last Duel, 14 to 1, or House of Gucci, 10 to 1, or you know, right. French Dispatch at 16 to 1 doesn't necessarily make sense, but you're not going to take the buzzy title of the current moment where they're trying to suck you into right. bet. Yeah, no, because that's going to become just a long shot next month. Yeah, in terms I'd, of the odds, absolutely, absolutely, I, I would, I would agree with that that line of thinking. And it's also, I mean, look, your options, I think, at any book right now are going to be kind of limited. I mean, we have here, we there's some huge movies we know are coming out that have been confirmed to come out in 2021 that don't have odds yet. So I think any kind of options you're faced with, no matter what book you go to right now, you might be kind of limited in any action you can get. So if you're going to sprinkle, it's a good time to like, you know, to take pick two that you like. Right. That you think are value have value. Like if you could find the power of the dog at twenty to one, I think yeah. I would do that. I think if looking at this list in front of us, where we have Blue Bayou, Hasaguchi, Annette, Nightmare Alley, Tragedy, Macbeth, Last Duel, French Dispatch, with all different odds, the two that stick out to me is House of Gucci. If you could find that at ten to one or better, jump all over it. Power of the dog. If you find that at twenty to one or better, jump all over it. Yeah, I, I would uh, show up at your doorstep with like twenty dollar bill saying, "Don't worry, darling, please, Michael." <laughs> Twenty to one, whatever. No, it's not there. But if it was, I would I would be into that, and you would just scoff at me and just tell, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll talk to Jimmy the Beanhead or whatever. Uh, my daily you routine. Would. You is, wouldn't even I've give it to him. You wouldn't even insult him. Too much Sopranos lately, so I just walk around in a bathrobe with my underwear, uh, going to get the paper. So I just imagine in my head me taking the twenty out of your hand and just closing the door, 
<laughs> yeah, that would be the, and I would, yeah, I would just, I would be dumb enough and gullible enough to let it happen. I did, I did get intrigued by the best actor odds though, because Adam Driver is two to one, Bradley Cooper's four to one, Denzel and Leo are six to one, Oscar Isaac seven to one, uh, ten to one. We had Timothy Chalamet, Joaquin, uh, Bale, Affleck, Cumberbatch, Damon, Elba, mm. Fassbender. No odds though. And this is where they get you for Will mm-hmm. Smith, who's number one on a lot of our boards already. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peter Dinklage, Andrew Garfield, Michael B. Jordan, Simon Rex, Caleb Landry Jones, Dev Patel. What do you think of the best actor odds? I mean, it's pretty much exactly exactly what I said. If you if your best pick isn't there, then tread lightly. And again, I mean, are you really going to spend money on Adam Driver right now at two to one for mm-hmm. what? Uh, either whether that's Annette or the last duel, I don't think there's any value there right now. Uh, Denzel intrigues me. Leo obviously always will intrigue me. I, otherwise, I don't really see anything I'm jumping out of my skin to get to in this category. Yeah. No, I I recall Nomadland being 20 to 1 for a while last yeah. year, uh, at least in the picture side of things. I don't recall any best actor odds last year with Anthony Hopkins or Chadwick Boseman at this time. Do you? I mean, we, we just didn't cover No, but also at this time last year, we were still waiting through what the hell the film year was going to be. Very true. So. Very true. So, yeah, we're, we're kind of new to the best actor early bird specials yeah. here, Mike. And the early bird specials is exactly what our motifs collectively have been attracted to most. I'm trying to say that we're old men inside. So That's right. But they're sucking in the suckers. <laughs> Like most of us, usually in in other forms, <laughs> or they are covering their own ass, and, it, and it's it's a true phenomena in in Oscar history where you get several films a decade that come out of the spring and the summer. So mm-hmm. if you get early odds on those that you like, they do come in once in a while. But I mean, Vegas builds the big casinos because. They're taking advantage of those rarities. They rarely happen, and they rarely happen for a reason. We did the Oscar date, real estate, stat, a statistical study in the past, Mike, where most of those movies come from November and December. So that's the thing. I mean, you they're they're getting you, they're sucking you in with these six to one odds on some of these films here. Blue Bayou, for example, and we'll see if they uh, can get you to bet Adam Driver at two to one when maybe he's there, maybe he's not. This is how I know I have a sickness, because my first thought was, yeah, they're all suckers, not me, though. <laughs> Perfect. I'm going to break Vegas. <laughs> this year's Nomadland 20 to 1, Power of the Dog. Yeah, you're, 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 that money is burning in your pocket right now. Power of the Dog. Like, next episode, I'm going to bring up a joke of how I need to borrow $100 from you. <laughs> and I'm going to show up at your door with my $14.67 for the Power of the Dog. Guys, as always, what is most important to us uh, is we want to hear from you. What are your takes? What do you have as far as your odds? Or would you put any money down on any of these odds right now if you had to bet? What do you think about the selection of the galas and the special presentations that TIFF has going on? And we also want to hear your thoughts about these trailers as well as anything else. Uh, any thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns about anything we do here in the MMO Empire? You can leave us all of those as always on our social medias. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook, Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Instagram at MMO. M and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We are available wherever you hear podcasts, including and especially that Apple podcast app. I've actually been listening to us on Spotify recently uh, nice. because I have an ego the size of this room where I need to hear myself <laughs> on an app. So there's that. We're on Spotify for sure, I guess is my point there. That yes. and I'm also a megalomaniac. Uh, Michael. <laughs> What are, some, sound good what are some words of wisdom we can end on and what's coming next from MMO? Oh, words of wisdom. You know, maybe watch some Comic-Con at home this weekend. I think oh. I, I was I was getting I was getting excited for Comic-Con at home. They're, they have all these different panels. It's free. It's on YouTube. Uh, there's a Rick and Morty panel that I was going to. I was going to click play on. Uh, there's a tour books, science fiction and fantasy panel that I was I was I was kooky about. And uh, there's a bunch more. I mean, the DCEU and the MCU is not necessarily going. So it's like a lot of niche stuff, huh. which is kind of cool in that a is sense. Cool. So I like that. maybe. Yeah, maybe we'll keep track of Comic-Con at home and. And that's happening this weekend, so that's fun. Uh, not that they need your business or anything, because they're going to make ridiculous bucks via the YouTube marketing, I'm sure. You'll have to sit through some commercials. But and then yeah. again, it's all a commercial. 
Comic Con. That's well, really I, I was I was going to follow that up with like not not that any of these need your business. Like if we might do Jungle Cruise in the future, and not that Disney <laughs> needs that extra thirty dollars from us again, but they're going to get it probably. Right, they're probably so. going to get. It. I was thinking too. Is this going to be the first one I don't buy? No, I'm going to buy it. Damn it! But all right, we got some cool movies that we want to talk about and review. We don't know which we're going to dedicate full episodes to. We we're not promising anything. Old Snake Eyes are out this weekend. We are thinking of doing old. We don't know. It's going to be a three episode arc for us and old. <laughs> I'm going to be pissed. If bit, it, I, I'm going to be pissed. I, I'm, it's going to piss. It's going to get my goat. Lowercase. Mm-hmm. Go. Yeah. I, I, yeah, yeah, I, don't I can't know. wait. I, I'm so. I've heard. I don't. This isn't a spoiler because I have no way of verifying it. All I've heard is that it is as disastrous as you could hope it would be. Oh my god! <laughs> so that means we have to review it now. Is of there course. a plan B? Do we have a plan B? Yeah, plan B is I do the show alone and review it. <laughs> <laughs> so next week we have Green Knight and Stillwater. <laughs> That's what I will be pining for. Green Knight is uh, going to be interesting. Still water is yeah. going to be interesting, but Green Knight is very, we've, we've hyped up the Green Knight a lot. That's true. And then we're going to start to cobble together some mid-year Oscars stuff. We've yeah. been talking about that maybe before the Fall Film Fest uh, so that we can immediately date ourselves, perhaps. I don't know if that programming <laughs> decision is the wisest one. we got to re- rethink that. But it, we, we have a mid-year Oscars report that we're going to cover. We're going to cover these fall film festivals. All of that is coming. We're having we're having a lot of fun doing it, Mike. Yeah, can't wait. And, uh, you know, just on the horizon, just past the August, uh, we get into the serious time of this year, which is going to be a, a true sprint if ever there was one. As it seems yeah. like we're – I mean, nothing's moved yet. We'll keep you guys updated on any kind of schedule movements. But right now, we've only had inter-calendar movements more so than stuff switching years uh more. so more <laughs> give me more we will keep you up to date on all of that and more as always guys when reality sucks you can come i don't know go around the hollywoods i guess give the check out these oscar race checkpoints with us we are mike mike and oscar trying to make award season year round without the stuffiness we will see you very soon see you